Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. I was snoozing. What's up, sleepyhead? Yeah. I work earlier hours now, so mm. I'm just like... What's your hours? I work eight to four. I'm up earlier these days, which... Carol Garden stuff? Yeah. I actually don't mind. I like being done work earlier. <laughs> I don't mind getting up earlier. It's really the going to bed earlier that I just like... But since there's no stand-up still, what the fuck? What else am I doing? Yeah. Sleeping. Everyone's asking themselves, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) I've been reading about Babylonian mythology. Oh, yeah? Marduk, Tiamat, and the others. (laughs) The funky bunch. (laughs) Mainly due to the fact that, like, Spelunky 2 has superficially use the names of the gods. I've been playing an unhealthy amount of that game. I mentioned earlier how watching streamers of Spelunky 2, you realize a shocking number of people don't know how to pronounce Osiris. Do they say... Like Osiris? Osiris? Yeah, like they they just... It's a completely foreign name because it's the name of one of the boss fights in the game. Obviously not the Babylonian. No, there's Tiamat and uh, Kingu are the Babylonian gods in Spelunky 2. <sighs> or Lunky, as the fans call it. Now, yeah, would you say this is distinct from Gilgamesh, Mesopotamia? Yeah, well, no, uh, I mean, okay, so I mean, like, it's when I say Babylonian gods, yeah, I'm really, I mean Mesopotamian gods. You know, they have slightly different pronunciations and like also there's different gods that are front and center. But yeah, you're all kind of working off the same pantheon uh, when you are in the Mesopotamian mythology region. Wow. What's your favorite? Don't really care. I don't know. It's kind of a shitty mythology. <laughs> they like just invented society so they were just like making up stuff and they're like oh well there's a king god and then another king god killed that king god and then there was a queen god and i don't know you know like it was the greeks who really like you know, fleshed out the characters yeah yeah like really fleshed it out hey, hey, like made you there's some nice uh cuneiform tablets yeah um, well no i mean gilgamesh is like lame you, it's the you don't, first epic, man. Like, yeah, and so it's one of the worst ones. Yeah, I'm not blaming them for coming up with shitty myths. Like, they didn't have anything to work off of. But, like, they still came up with shitty myths. What they really needed 
some people in workshop workshopping their mythology. Yeah, that's what the Greeks invented, really, was what, workshopping. Are you saying like the play contests were like the Greeks workshopping the myths? Yeah, I don't know. I just imagine a couple Greeks sitting around a table going like, okay, we've done a bunch of Zeus's dick gets him in trouble. But what if we did that again? And everyone's like, yeah, no, that's a good idea. Well, and then and then somebody's like, hear me out. What about Poseidon's dick? Someone's uh, like, okay, what if they split his head open and Athena pops out? And someone else is like, oh, I was going to just say fucked another nymph. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I know. I know. But we've done that before. <laughs> Splits his fucking head open. Athena pops out. Of course, because he has consumed his first wife, Metis, who is, of course, the goddess of being neat forethought mm -hmm. thinking things through and zeus sees this as too big of a threat to him as right. king of the gods so instead of have her out there possibly running amok he's just going to consume her and she'll be a part of him but yeah no he's really good at solving problems and yeah, like taking responsibility for his actions she's already pregnant so then yeah a baby gets born in his head yeah, then he develops a terrible headache. It's awful. Also, it's an analogy for thinking about stuff, mm -hmm. which the Greeks also invented. Yeah, no, anyway, so then, like, the Greeks... I will say the Greeks invented thinking about thinking about stuff, for sure. Yeah, sure. Well, okay, so the Mesopotamians invented, like, religion. The Greeks refined that, and then, like, by the time you got to the uh, Norse, they're like, you know what, I don't even see this as a religion. I see this as an album. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then, like, we invented metal. Yeah, and that's the history of inventing things. The history of inventing things. From Enkidu to black metal. <laughs> Mythology. So I've been forced to rewatch Dexter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lame. That sucks. My boyfriend's never seen it and decided to watch it. And I'm just remembering every plot point that... I did not enjoy <laughs> as it comes upon Give us. Give us a couple of them. The second time around, I have like zero tolerance for the character of Deb. She's the worst. She is the worst. She's got, they, just, I don't like that actress. She always looks like someone hit her with on the side with a pan on her head. Yeah, so they like make her insufferable, I think. Just because I know what's coming with the like final really shitty seasons. I'm like, ugh, ugh. All I know is that there was some, she was like on those bikes all the time. She was like a workout-aholic, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of working out. Super skinny. And I think it was all just a, an excuse to have her in like skimpy clothing on a bike doing exercise. Also on a treadmill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I only saw the first season. Me too. Me too. And I tried watching the second season and I was like, no. I saw the first season. I was like, oh, this is okay. And then I just never watched it again and never thought about it. <laughs> Same. I, well, I tried watching the second season. My problem was the most interesting things about the first season was how he didn't have feeling. How he couldn't. How yeah. He, 
And we othered people who had feelings and was like, that's not me. Right. I got like, yes. Rewatching it, I am struck by what a completely rudimentary understanding the show has of what a psychopath is. Yeah. It's like they like pinned themselves in early on. Exactly. Very narrow definition. Exactly. And like, uh, maybe we don't know for sure. That was exactly, uh, exactly my feeling that the writers pinned themselves into a corner. You know what's fun uh, rewatching it is there is copious use of the word, the R word in the show. Oh, sweet. I like to remember. There's there's a lot of. It's mostly dead. It's mostly just dead saying. You can can bleep that out. Yeah. You can can R word that out. But it's very funny for me to remember. Oh, that's right. Like 2007, uh, we were still in this world. Yeah, no, it was totally fine. And the only person who ruined it was Sarah Palin. The the reason, (laughs) no, and this is 100% true. The reason that we can't say that word anymore is because at a certain point, Rahm Emanuel... was bitching about left-wing Democrats. And he's like, those fucking R's are fucking R'd, uh, past tense. And then Sarah Palin, who famously has an R son. I'm just going to say it. Wait, are we uh, pro or against R word? Well, (laughs) I'm not taking a position on it, but I'm just going to continue to say R word or or just R um, or Ard if it's a verb in the past tense. But anyway, Sarah Palin's What if it's someone that's literally slow? Well, okay, so Sarah Palin's son is literally Ard as fuck. (laughs) No, I don't mean mentally. I mean, if they're just... Oh, yeah, if... Okay, yes, if I have a fire retard, that's called a fire retardant that's what it is it retards fires anyway that's what a fire retardant does we're not talking about that we're talking about sarah palin's arson not to be confused with arson which you would respond to with a fire retardant (laughs) which that would be like one of her older sons if if anybody (laughs) anyway so she decides to take the grandstand and go, Rahm Emanuel should feel bad about that. And then, like, a bunch of liberals latched on and were like, oh, actually, like, yeah, it's kind of fucked up we use that word. And so then we stopped using the word. But what's fucked up is that Rahm Emanuel sucks. Well, yeah, and also immediately afterwards, Rush Limbaugh rushed to Rahm Emanuel's defense. And he's like, I don't see what the problem is. He called a bunch of fucking R's, fucking R's. And then, like, people went to Sarah Palin and are like, well, okay, are you going to condemn that? And she's like, absolutely not. Um, That literally happened. The funniest part part of this, the funniest part of this is on the spectrum of vice presidents, she's the most Ard of us. <laughs> yeah, but then, like, Trump leapfrogged as president. So, like, good for him for, like, really breaking the door open for ours running in the Republican Party. That's true. There was big news this week that Trump has been shitting his pants in front of us this whole time. That's cool. 
So if you were wondering what the diaper Don hashtag was about, it wasn't just saying, oh, he's a crybaby. It was saying he's literally been wearing a diaper the entire time. Pretty funny, I guess. Respect. Respect. I mean, in the. Also, the people came out, former producers on The Apprentice, to confirm this. And one of them in particular made the claim that. Not only has this man been wearing a diaper for this entire time, that he has been shitting his pants on his emotional cues in front of us. Hmm. That when he's particularly angry, he will do it. That's weird. He gets angry quite a bit. Yeah, so apparently there's quite a few times he's met with world leaders that he's just pooped his pants. Yeah, Um, you know, I'll I'll say this. What they said after the Lewinsky scandal, he's not the first president who did it. He's the first president to get caught. That's true. He's definitely not the first president who did it. Like, George Bush Sr. absolutely shat his pants in front of foreign leaders. That's just off the top of my head. George Bush Sr. is always shitting himself. Yeah. Johnson did it, but, like, on purpose. (laughs) To show dominance. Yeah, and it worked. I mean, if you're over 75 and can... You know, shit on cue, like more power to you. Uh, in the I world. don't know. I don't got much of this. As it's well known, I have an extreme aversion to all things scatological. Yeah, Marla's got a thing about this, and I'm not quite sure where it stems from, but I'm. I have no I'm idea. I've been reading Freud, and it seems like he has answers. Yeah, I don't think so. I've been watching a bunch of videos about Lacan lately, and uh, I don't see it. Does Dexter have a shitting plotline, or is it just murder? Unfortunately, it's just murder. Like, I didn't see the later seasons, but I hear they're really bad. The later, later ones are very bad, but there is at least one more good one that you didn't see because John Lithgow's in it. Oh, yeah, I knew there uh, was a season with Lithgow. Oh, I think that was the season that, like, was playing when I was in college and, like, going over to Redner's house and they would, like, constantly have shit on the big screen and, like, one of the things in Roto was uh, Dexter. Yeah, because I remember seeing a Dexter with Lithgow on, like, a projector and not having the context to enjoy the show and also I was on, like, a bunch of drugs at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember that time period because it was around the same time as every fucking R word was watching Lost. I hated that show so much. I have not seen a single fucking episode of Lost. <laughs> I've seen the first season of 24. Wow. I've not seen a single goddamn episode of Lost. Oh, oh I, I definitely watched Lost, but uh, 24. Boom. Oh, yeah. Could not. Okay, so the first season was. <laughs> okay where you're like wow i appreciate like the the attention and this like vision they have of doing a real-time show and then by the second season you realize oh they actually aren't doing that at all and also this guy really hates women and yeah (laughs) and muslims and muslims i got out of it before the muslim shit just because like (laughs) basically three episodes into season two i was like he has a thing about women (laughs) like every woman on this show is either literally evil or fucking ard (laughs) also i have a title idea for this episode yeah yeah what is it the r one (laughs) 
Is there anything like happening in the world around us, or are we just going to devolve into a pop culture talk podcast? Look, it was Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Give us a break. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really paying attention. But also, it was like kind of fake Thanksgiving. I mean, there were like five people at mine. I don't know about any Ooh. of these. We had three. No, it was just the two of us, but I did. <laughs> I got Boston Market. Well, there was. You had your family plus three people, or? No, it was just me, Ariel, and Ariel's mother. Oh, okay, okay. Went over yeah. to mom. And uh, she lives in a nice cottage. And so we were totally doing cottage core. Oh. Nice. No, I guess, yeah, nothing's been happening in the world. Never I mind. saw. I caught, Let's talk about early 2000s television. <laughs> I caught the, the last half of the dog show. And that was funny. There was a dog that was named Jimmy. And then they were saying that it was named after Jimmy Fallon. Commercials <laughs> went on. And then it was the rerun of the Thanksgiving Day parade. And there was Jimmy Fallon being very hungover. Yeah, they did the Thanksgiving Day Parade, but, like, with nobody. Hmm. Yeah, which is for the best. I mean, Al Roker was still there looking like he didn't want to be. I don't know, then I turned it off. We're spiking in New York. It's coming back. Yeah, it's spiking Uh all over the place. I just saw that New York went, we're similar caseload as we had in May. Yeah, and yet we're not doing the same things about it. That's yeah, it's really weird how we're just... It's like accept- our entire basis was just, uh, we're tired of dealing with it, so we won't anymore. Which reminds me, actually, this blurb of a fucking interview I saw with Joe Biden. More of a soundbite of Joe Biden's. We can fight the virus and not hurt economic growth. Mm. Like, okay, so there's one of two interpretations of this statement. Either A, we can all stay home and not go to work, and it won't hurt economic growth. And if that's the case, we should just keep doing that after the pandemic's over, because apparently there's no downside to doing that, and it's better than going to work. That's possibility A. Possibility B is we can fight the coronavirus without bothering to do anything and just continuing on life as if it's normal, in which case Joe Biden owes Donald Trump an apology because that was (laughs) Donald Trump's strategy that the Democrats, I thought, rightly gave him shit for. But yeah, no, I just love that fucking single-minded obsession with growth where it's just like, you can't just say like, we need to make sacrifices in order to existentially help humanity survive. Yeah, it's capitalism. The conflict isn't between the virus and humans. We know the answer. Right. We know the answer to how to solve this Tetris problem. It's how do you square capitalism with a global pandemic? And the answer is just throw as many bodies at it as possible. (sighs) I mean, Vietnam, the most commie of commie countries. Asterix, Asterix. yeah, sure. We'll just say one of the few still extant, actually existing socialism states. Yeah, the Marxist 35 deaths. And thank fucking God they tortured John McCain to allow themselves (laughs) to win that war so they wouldn't have been replaced by some U.S. puppet state. Some fascist... 
would have just killed two-thirds of the country from the coronavirus. South Korea or Japan. I wouldn't marry too much on that because I'm sure they did better than the U.S. did. (laughs) Um, But Vietnam, 35 deaths. All thanks to torturing John McCain. Also very robust, centralized government. Which exists because they tortured John McCain. (laughs) Torturing a McCain saves millions of lives. This has been established through history. (laughs) And it is the official position of this pod, for sure. If you want to solve coronavirus, there's still McCain's out there that we can torture. I solicit our audience to do so. Commit a crime. I'm legally soliciting (laughs) you to commit a crime. No, but seriously, the conflict isn't between humans. We know the solution. This was the thing that was so frustrating in the beginning with Cuomo. And right now, I mean, he's he's when it comes to the schools. Is that what he's up to? Because last I heard that de Blasio was opening in two weeks. Oh, I heard that he tried to, like, stop de Blasio from closing him again. And, like, that's one of the things. Living in New York, I I didn't realize, honestly, why people hated de Blasio more than Cuomo throughout all of that. Because de Blasio did kind of knee-jerk just go, we should just shut everything down. And Cuomo was pumping the brakes on that the whole time. And, you know, like, I, I frankly, I didn't understand why Cuomo got, like, the fucking golden boy treatment and everyone shat on de Blasio. No, de Blasio is not a good mayor. But oh, but I'm not saying he is. No, he's, I'm he's 100%. Guy yeah, I'm not defending de Blasio, generally speaking. And also... I will defend de Blasio insofar as, holy shit, I've never seen one man spend four to six years just making absolutely every person hate you. It's fascinating how extremely conflicting groups hate Bill de Blasio for completely opposite reasons. Yeah, I just hate him because he's like kind of too tall. I did not see why de Blasio got shat on for coronavirus versus Cuomo. I I think Cuomo was way worse. Yes, Cuomo was way worse, but he gave a newsworthy press conference every day, which they ate up, whereas de Blasio gave these like very mournful, which I think, again, should be the tone that he takes. I love that Cuomo yelled at that reporter. Did you see that? It was about the school closing in that press conference that he held hours before de Blasio just in order to get out in front of him so that he could take credit for it. And he just screamed at a a reporter. The guy was like, wait, you're giving us mixed messages saying that we need to close it or we don't need to close it. Well, some parents are confused. And Cuomo goes, no, you're confused. And then they shut down the schools like two hours later. (laughs) He's a real R word. By that, I mean really fucking (laughs) Dago-y. Oh, I mean they both are. Did you see that Dago that set up an autonomous state in Staten Island? Yeah. I mean, Staten Island is already an autonomous zone. They just don't know it. Well, don't they want to do a breakaway? Like, they don't want to be an NYC borough. Yeah. Yeah. And there are businesses there that are like, we are not following any of the rules. 
Don't try to make Staten us. Island has consistently held up progress for New York by having a bunch of land, but then also a bunch of wealthier people who don't want us to dump our trash on the land. That's been like general New York politics over the decades. We open up a dump on Staten Island and then they don't want us to open up a second one. And it's a whole thing. I remember driving past their dumps. It just got piles and piles of trash on that island. Yeah. It's where we put it. Can't fit it on Manhattan. Uh, also, what, I've only been to Staten Island to like do paintball. <laughs> cool. Tells you all you need to know. Has anybody been reading any books? Uh, and, and follow-up question, is anybody going to dare get the new Jordan Peterson book? I want to know what 12 new rules he could possibly have. The first 12 were so good. I, I just think it's fucking pathetic. You have some fucking dignity as someone who's pretending to be an academic and don't just release like 12 more rules. Like it just is so fucking Disney. And I know it's a fundamental part of his philosophy, but that's so incredibly lame. He hates Disney. He hates Frozen. I mean, his whole thing before he became known for like hating transgender people was he had these long YouTube lectures generally on Disney movies and like a Jungian analysis of them. I mean, he was a shittier Slava Zizek, just like shittier Freudian uh, philosopher and shittier movies to analyze. But yeah, he's just a dumber fucking Zizek for dumber people. And that's what he was. Yeah. March 2nd is the release date of the new book. I know it's in so many months. I'm like, he's going to be dead by then. At least be like Zizek and just release it as a PDF without telling anyone. And also like not have it be a book. Just have it be a bunch of your Guardian articles in order. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, Zizek rules. I'm trying to get through Sublime. Sublime object of ideology? No, like the titular uh, Sublime album. Sublime. Yeah, I don't 40 know. 40 ounces of freedom. Yeah. Um. No, I actually don't know the name Ain't of any got Sublime no Santeria. Yeah, I know, like, the songs that people know. No, yeah, I'm trying to get through Sublime Object of Ideology, which then, like, turned into this fucking deep dive on, like, Theory 2 for, like, what the fuck Lacan thought about stuff. So then I didn't get around to reading uh, Sublime Object of Ideology, so I'm still about, like, 30 pages in. See, I went on a grand book journey where I tried to find that book in all the little independent bookstores around here. Could not find it, but uh, I did pick up Althusser's On Ideology, which... Which is one of the things you should read before Sublime Object of Ideology. And he also has an essay in there about Freud and Lacan. We, uh, I'm still looking. If anybody knows where I can go journey, I, I don't want to... Yeah, I just ordered it off Amazon like an asshole, because uh, there's no such thing as conscious consumerism. So uh, that means I can do whatever the fuck I want. No, that's what Mark said. Socialism's when you do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> it's what he said to me personally, at least. <laughs> he did that seance. Just buy Coca-Cola directly from <laughs> vendors who are based out of Israeli settlements. It doesn't matter. 
<laughs> support BDS. There, there's a difference when it's like an Ori. Actually, not really. I don't know. Nothing matters. Fuck it. What about you, Bunny? I'm not reading these days. Are you joking? Uh, I think I was just rereading Stephen King, which is what I do. Just periodically. I like to reread uh, Stephen King short stories. I didn't know though. he did short stories. Oh, yeah. His short stories? Yeah, no, I've, I've never I actually like... read a Stephen King novel, but I've definitely read his short stories. Yo, that movie Stand By Me, that was a short story. Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking short story. Shawshank? Yeah, I mean, some of them are you know, veering into novella territory, but... And um, also he's got a few, like, collections that are, like, thematically or, like, through mm -hmm. plotly related. No, they've got some short stories. God damn, you, like, tell me, you're Stephen King in the 80s and you're doing as much coke as him and you're not also blasting out short stories? <laughs> he would do a chapter of like whatever fucking Dark Tower shit where it's like, oh yeah, part 11,012 about the cowboy going through the time portal to the Ninja Land or whatever the fuck that shit's about. And then like he'd get a chapter done and then just write eight short stories. He's prolific, dude. I actually was rereading one in particular, which is called Quitters Inc. <laughs> it's about a person who signs up for a extreme help in quitting smoking, mm. but doesn't realize just what he's signed on a for. A Faustian bargain? Yeah, so to speak. Does uh, it somehow work in weird child sex? No, uh, okay. Because you know what does? Stand by me. <laughs> and also... Well, it. yes, famously it. But I will say sober Stephen King does not have a lot of that. Yeah. Now, would you say that it's more weird or eerie? I don't know. I forgot the chapter in Mark Fisher's Weird and Eerie about kitty sex in Stephen King novels and <laughs> short stories. <laughs> I guess I missed that one. I'm, I mean, uh, more was it broadly, before or after the uh, Cthulhu chapter? I mean, more on a uh, H.P. Lovecraft to. Whatever you would consider. Yeah, I don't remember that well. I, I've read well, that I'm asking well. Bunny, not you. <laughs> Jesus. You're asking about technical terms as defined in a book. I mean, I'd say both apply to Stephen King. I think he hits both. That's kind of what I like about Stephen King. You'll read something of his and you'll be like, wow, that was like scary in a profound way. And then you'll read another thing and it'll be uh, done. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I love how he is so prolific and just like writes every day forever. I love how people made movies about both ranges. Yes. I absolutely love the one movie that Stephen King directed himself, which is from the story Maximum Overdrive, which is about trucks that become sentient and then take over and terrorize the human population. Yeah, I like that one about the worm that crawls out of your butt that has Morgan Freeman in it. Yeah. Oh, um, the Wait, yeah, Steve, I watched it with you. Dreamcatchers is one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, that movie fucking owns. There's a magical R in it. There's a magical R word. What, what's the thing he says? He whispers like the Zoom Zoom kid. 
Oh, I forget. <laughs> I don't know. I just know he like saves the day by like being magical. It's so beautiful. The the turning into the disease character is very disorienting and the butt stuff, you know. There's a lot There's of butt, a lot stuff, of butt stuff. I do like the idea of an alien takeover starting with like gastrointestinal distress. Oh, yeah, there's something Freud in there. Mr. Gay. Mr. Mr. Gay. Mr. Gray. So oh, there's something. something Nietzsche in there, actually, if I recall. Nietzsche was very obsessed with the GI tract. Mr. Gay. Mr. Gay. Wait, is that an actual <laughs> line in the movie? Yeah, that's what... What a weird fucking movie. That's what the R-word kid keeps saying. <laughs> Mr. Gay? Also, the, no, the his, movie the name is, is like... Mr. Gray, but the Duddits can't say it. <laughs> God damn, what a fucking movie that is. Dying of Leukemia. Yeah, that... That movie rocks. That movie, like, probably... I would say it's similar to um, Dusk Till Dawn. No, yeah. it's similar to Dusk Till Dawn, where it's like... I thought I was watching one movie, and then all of a sudden someone's butt exploded, and I'm like, what the fuck am I watching, dude? <laughs> yeah, you watch Dusk Till Dawn, it's like, oh, it's a fun, like, roadie heist, and then it's like, oh, shit, there's vampires here. Turn yeah. Millennial had so many... Bad movie. I've been kind of going through them, but today I watched a classic bad movie, Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw it once in theaters. I saw it in theaters as well. What you did in 2000. Yeah. I miss movie theaters. I used to go by myself a lot. The last thing I saw in the movie theater was Mm. Cats. I saw Cats at 11.30 in the morning. Hi, (laughs) shit. I miss it so much. I miss Alamo Draft House. Yeah. You get like a big meal. You demand drinks from your server. Word. In the middle of the movie, and they just keep bringing you stuff to drink. Yeah. I think one of the last one that I went to go see was Portrait of a Woman on Fire, the French flick, and I mm. saw it on International Women's Day. That oh. hits all of those things. That's so sad. sad I mean, all French lesbian. Well, all like period ish pieces (laughs) concerning lesbianism are typically about some sort of unrequited tragic longing. And it's just a bunch Uh, of silence and women staring at each other from across rooms. That's like 80% mm -hmm. of them. Women staring at other women across rooms and uh, silently knowing something meaningful. Damn, I wish I could feel things about stuff. <laughs> I think that was the last movie I saw. Uh, well, I did see movie theaters during the pandemic, and that was wild. I went yeah, down to, to Delaware, and there was one movie theater. And we went every night that we were down there, because it was so amazing just to be in a theater again. There was only like three people other than us, and it was Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, and some other movie, The Rental. And we went yeah, every night that we were down there just because it was a movie theater. I mean, what else are you going to do? Nothing else was open. Have you guys been to a drive-in? No. <laughs> that was said with such disdain. I mean, I'd like to, but I, who's, I don't know. I, I, the weirdest thing about the pandemic is like me realizing how much I still feel like, oh, what, what a big to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like for me, I liked the opportunity to like 
somewhat spontaneously on an off day, a day that I have off, that I could just like decide in the morning that I'm going to go see a movie. I like that. I got plans. I, yeah. I wasn't like going to the movies to like go on a 1999 date or whatever. Is also how I imagine going to the drive-through feels like. I went to a drive-through and it was pretty awesome. Uh, I was up hiking and there was a drive-through in Beacon and uh, oh, that's yeah, cool. it was. It seemed to be makeshift um, and it was in the back of a frisbee golf area. And if you kept going through the woods, there was this little field that looked like it had been a baseball field. That they took out all the baseball stuff and just put the projector. And we got some chairs and watched Jaws. That's good. I think it would be fun to watch a movie I've already seen. And that's Yeah, it was good well. that it was. And it was sad because they were also playing Jurassic Park after that. And it would have been another Jurassic Park viewing. Do you like Jurassic I, Park? I like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic I like uh, the entire everything about yeah, Jurassic I like Park. Jurassic. Uh, I read the book Jurassic Park when I was like in the fourth grade. It's a bit more violent than yeah, the movie. So. The deaths are more explicit. You know how in the movie, um, what's his face? Yeah, the guy who plays. That's him? how we're. That's how we're talking. <laughs> It's almost comical how he's killed oh, in yeah, Jurassic Park in the movie, but in the novel, you're just sort of with him in this moment as his flesh dissolves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, the uh, the guy who like started the park gets killed by very small dinosaurs yeah, in the book. They don't even like introduce them in the movie, but there was some particular breed of like chicken-sized small dinosaurs that were like sort of nobody was as fixated on but it's sort of ironically these are the dinosaurs that take down the main guy i want to have sex with the dinosaur (laughs) so yeah it's more violent you get more detail about yeah no i remember um, I, i i think everyone's gone through a Crichton phase that's what you do in fifth grade. You want to like read your first book yeah. that has the word fuck in it. So you read exactly. the Crichton book, which is a book written for babies, but it has the word fuck in it. And, uh, <laughs> I, I read Timeline, that one about the nanomachines, Andromeda Strain, Jurassic Park. And others. Yeah, he always had like little diagrams in his books and shit, like with the science shit. Shit ruled. Timeline I was obsessed with. But anyway, despite Stephen King being quite a 73-year-old man these days, I still like it. Did you like that show? There was an HBO show. The Outsider, yes. Yeah, that was very weird. Although I didn't like the way it ended. I mean, it was very uh, on brand where you're like, we could be uh, looking at just a mundane sort of real life evil. And then it's like, psych. It's some kind of monster. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it lost me. That's the hardest yeah. part about um, those movies is introducing not a well, cheesy or stupid 
And usually it's cheesier, stupid. Well, and it's like, there's something Mary. about... Yeah. Well, when you read a Stephen King and you're kind of, like, intimate in the story, you'll go along with a lot of things because you're already yeah. there, right? But then somebody trying to take that same story and present it as a visual narrative presents a lot of problems. Because there's definitely things that... There's a lot of things I appreciate uh, about Stephen King. I really love that his entire creative oeuvre is like one giant multiverse that's all technically connected. And what's funny is that my favorite works of his are his short stories or the bits that aren't like straight up horror. Like I love 112263, which is primarily about time travel and the idea of someone going back in time to stop the Kennedy assassination, which the other fun part of that is that uh, you read that book and you're like, you know what? I do think Oswald did it. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my least popular opinions is I kind of just think Oswald did it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. And he should be heralded as a hero. Yeah, sure. He, he was a commie. <laughs> no, he was kind of like a sniveling, wife-beating piece of shit who was conveniently yeah, They always have to beat their wives. To serve his, like, weird delusions of grandeur. He literally tried to defect to Russia, and they were like, no, Yeah, because yeah, the Soviet Union <laughs> could see a bad egg from... Oh, what? Uh, I already yeah. knew he was more useful well, which, But yeah, so I, I actually end up liking the stories that I think would be more properly labeled as science fiction from Stephen King uh, more than his straight up horror. But I do like it. I do think it's awesome uh, because if you want to engage with the Lovecraft kind of stuff, which the Cthulhu mythos um Stephen King's a great way to do it. Oh, yeah? What's this? Uh, some cast of his early in? work. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. If, if you want to engage oh, with it without, it's so the, fun. without the racism. Uh, but it I is mean, fun. Like, that's how the am problem I to with it. Is that it is that fun. There is an ancient cult that worships a dark horror god if they aren't <laughs> savages with dark skin who are of uh, certain races. Well, you know. Stephen King figures it out, and sometimes they are children with blonde hair. Okay, but maybe maybe there are words. Maybe they're like great great grandparents. But a metaphor for a black person. I am making the point that uh, "Children of the Corn," which is one of King's most effective short stories is essentially a Lovecraft story but instead of it being savages it is a little farm blonde hair yeah well no because Lovecraft does that too and they're always like essentially Boston Brahmins who like have some English nobility in their blood but like it turns out that like back in the like 1600s they had a relative who like fucked a dark god but it's clearly a metaphor for they're not all white. And that's how Lovecraft handles that. And they spend, like, the whole story, like, researching their family and suddenly finding out they have, like, webbed hands. <laughs> I recently saw Children of the Corn, the OG. I only watched the South Park parody myself. Uh, I love the short story of it. Back in the day when I was a nanny, I had a book of Stephen King short stories, the collection that has Children of the Corn in it. 
And the kid I was watching was sort of like, well, tell me one of those stories. And I was like, they're too scary. <laughs> and she insisted. So I tried to like water down <laughs> the children of the corn and it was still too scary for her. Nobody died in the watered down version <laughs> that I was giving. But just the thought of a primordial behemoth monster in the middle of a cornfield was too scary. The guy that uh, <laughs> played the the main child who had the like short he comes back in a later sequel to reprise his role and i found that interesting that they tried to keep continuity within the universe because he has mm -hmm. one of those like growth shortening diseases so he stays looking like a child yes but they just kind of like go off Did I? I didn't i, I only saw after a while there's not like a whole series that King wrote. Just, he's just got the original short story, which is in Night Shift, which is maybe my favorite collection of his short stories. Uh, the Mist is also. Oh, I heard that movie's good. actually pretty tight. Yeah, I've never actually seen Mist, it, but yeah. I heard it's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. But uh, yeah, there's some early King stories, I think, uh, actually in Night Shift that are really. Like, Jerusalem's Lot is literally just a repurposed, I believe the Lovecraft is called Salem's <laughs> Lot. Jerusalem's Lot, like, Salem in the grander Stephen King universe is almost always short for mm. Jerusalem. But yeah, it's essentially the same plot points of a Lovecraft story. It was like a young Stephen King experimenting with that. But anyway, I like it. I think it's good. And also, um, Lovecraft famously does not film. I mean, it's hard to make a Lovecraft <laughs> movie. Colors Out of Space is really good. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to make a Lovecraft movie because so much of it relies on quote unquote. Well, to quote horror. Mark Fisher quitting uh, someone else, um, the general formula of a Lovecraft story is to describe a thing as indescribable and then promptly move on to describing it. Like Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's indescribable. Anyway, it's got like octopus tentacles on its face and like bat wings. Super scary, guys. But it's indescribable. <laughs> But the horror yeah. of it. No, yeah, no, because it's got like tentacles on its face and like bat wings and it's super spooky and shit. Yeah, it's super spooky. But as much as I'm telling you how spooky it is, you can't. Yeah, no, I mean, fathom it take fathoming fully. like bat wings and tentacles <laughs> on a face. Like, and you can't fathom that. How well, can you fathom Well, that? that's sort of what Mark Fisher talks about when he talks about the weird, which is that it is beyond our comprehension in the material world. Which is almost all of the horror of it in the literary space. Literary. Yeah, I just remember one was in presence and the other was a present absence or something. That's yeah, literary criticism for you folks. <laughs> the other movie that I watched today was World War Z. Oh, that's a fucking piece. It does start in Philadelphia. And I remember when I first watched it, I heard... On the ambient TV in the background, Yuki Washington, and I'm like, does this take place in Philadelphia? The first scene is. Yeah. Because yeah. um, Yuki Washington, cousin of Den Denzel Washington, <laughs> is an anchor for uh, KYW3 Philadelphia and has mm -hmm. been since the 90s. And also, ever since then, uh, with 
you needed a local news station to get an exclusive interview with Denzel Washington, KYW News 3. I feel like I feel like there is a Marxist analysis of the movie dealing with global capitalism and Brad Pitt's character as like Superman but the UN ambassador. Basic political <laughs> analysis is it's just a fluff piece for Israel. Uh, well, yeah, that's the other thing is that Israel comes across as extremely the sympathetic. greatest country ever to exist. Extremely sympathetic. Mossad is so good at uncovering. They're so good at fighting zombies, and their only regret is not being able to save more Palestinians from the zombies. Exactly. No. Like no, it's the most ridiculous bullshit. I think that goes along with the analysis that it is very much a liberal democracy or neoliberal propaganda. Yeah, it's the closest thing you'll get to a Sorkin zombie movie. It's like a globetrotting Brad Pitt who's just going around saving the world. He goes to Cambodia and they find out about North Korea pulling out their teeth to stop the people from biting each other. And then there were no zombies. Oh, man. But yeah, no, like, that's such not. a great idea. And that was told through the CIA guy that he meets with. And then he goes to Jerusalem. They seem to imply midway through that Jerusalem may have been the reason for the zombie outbreak. Because they knew about it, and they were like, this might have something to do with Israel, wink, wink, wink. Well, I mean, well, well, okay, zombies no, come from. Uh, Jesus, the original the zombie. were in the towers of zombies. You also <laughs> could have gone with a blood libel joke there, but yeah, that <laughs> would have worked better, actually. Blood libel joke. Why don't you do the blood libel joke? I always am going to go with uh Yeah, that was actually the easily the funniest zombie. one. I'll give you that. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be great if the second coming happened and everybody just were zombies instead of... (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if the second coming happened and the Mahdi returned and Christ was at his right hand because uh, (laughs) Shia Islam is correct? (laughs) That would be pretty cool. Just the 12th Imam returns... And uh, Christ is his banner man. Right. And then we're all like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And then that fucking elephant that all of Hinduism's on is like, the Greeks. The Greeks would be like, oh, I (laughs) thought we were right. No. And then the Turks are like, ha ha. You guys were wrong. We were right to turn the Hagia Sophia into a mosque. And then the 12th Imam's like, wrong Islam, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) And then the Hagia Sophia becomes a real mosque. A 12er Shia's mosque. (laughs) The other international group that this is a propaganda film for is the WHO. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, they have all of these international organizations. The U.S. Mossad, CIA. Yeah, no, we, like, apparently gave WHO an army at some point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that did happen. Wait, they did? Like No, no, I mean, in the background of the movie World War Z. No, well, we go to their research facility in Wales. Right. We didn't bring, give them an army. We just gave them this giant. Well, yeah, I mean, an army-sized budget. I'm yeah. sure they have yeah. an army. It's like the Pentagon of diseases. 
Yeah, I mean, it also wrongfully implies anyone literate is in Wales at any given time. <laughs> it's the actor that plays the asshole in In the Loop. Oh, shit, yeah, I forgot he was in that. Oh, man, he's great. Character actor, that guy. Apparently the book is just more done as a uh, secondary source of, like, recounting the, uh, like the zombie. Like, the, like the whole... Yeah, the, they, like, bought the movie rights and then were like, oh, we can't actually do this as a movie. Well, we could. It would be like a World War II documentary, but about a zombie apocalypse, which would be awesome, but we're also cowards, so we're just going to do this <laughs> instead. Like, the way yeah, to the, act- the book is like an oral history. Yeah, the way to actually do that book would have been to do, like, a Christopher Guest movie, but about zombies. <laughs> and that would have been awesome, but, like, <laughs> they weren't going to do that. Oh, well, then I should read the book. It's the shit I like, where it's just like, hey, what if we did, like, world building and didn't care about a narrative through plot at all? Which gets me to the thing we... You said you were going to watch for next week. Yeah. Of- yeah, no, I'll, I'll try to get a few episodes under my belt. At least the last scene is, it, it sets up the next season. But you- All right, yeah, I'll try and do the season. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. As long as by Christmas we have all watched. Oh, yeah, no, I uh, definitely am going to watch. Don't say Jingle Jangle. No, no, no. I did look. I watched Jingle Jangle today. No, we're gonna watch so. uh, what? <laughs> no, Christmas. Yeah, in the city yeah. No, absolutely, one hundred percent. I'll do that. Is what I want us to watch. Um, it is my favorite of the genre of cheap holiday rom com. Yeah, no, it sounds uh, awesome. I, I'm definitely gonna watch. It's that. great. No, you. I wouldn't make you watch a musical, guys. Which Jingle Jangle is a musical. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, to the lake is the series that's and tune in next week for that that yes that's right guys it's, uh, not zombie apocalypse in current day russia all right all right <laughs> we've all had a happy thanksgiving it sounds like yeah no it was trip to fend yeah we totally like 2020 zoom giving this shit we had a laptop at the table like elijah <laughs> Got a whole fucking place place setting for this fucking laptop. That's yeah. right. Good night and good of night, course, everyone. death to America. <laughs> of course, as always. <laughs> as usual.